We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack a Day podcast. Happy Saturday! It is the off season. We continue our off season year in review series for the Green Bay Packers. I am Jason Perone of Cheesehead TV with my colleague, also of Cheesehead TV and Dairyland Express, Paul Brettel. Paul, how are you? I'm fantastic, Jason. How are you doing? Doing very well. I know there's been a lot of since the last time we chatted. I know there's been a lot of Wisconsin Badger and Milwaukee Bucks basketball. And no shortage of, of coverage and stuff going on there. So I know that's been keeping you busy since the Packers season has ended. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing will replace the Packers, but it, it helps fill this, this offseason void that we're currently in. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And we need that void filled. And what we all tend to do, those of us that are absolutely addicted to football and don't follow other sports as closely, is we start doing mock drafts and we start daydreaming yes. about <laughs> scenarios and free agency. And that's where you see all of these speculations on Twitter that drive everybody nuts, apparently, because everyone complains that there's too much opining going on. So we're going to talk specifically today about the safety position. You've heard some of our colleagues talking about the different position groups. So Paul and I are going to talk about the safety group. And so, Paul, there's obviously, you know, the we could, we could start with either of the two starters, but uh, kind of some cool news that came out shortly after the Packers beat the Seattle Seahawks in the wild card round of the playoffs, which was 
rookie safety Darnell Savage was voted by the Pro Football Writers Association to the all-rookie team, which was something that if you told us back in, what, April when he was drafted that that was going to happen, we would have been really excited. The Packers moved up in the first round to draft Savage. He was the first defensive back taken. Green Bay obviously had their eye on him and wanted him above all of the others that were out there. So, you know, Savage did miss some time. He had an injury. He didn't make huge, huge splashes. He had a couple of interceptions. Never made that big breakout, you know, sports center top ten type play that I was looking for. But the fact that he made the all-rookie team is encouraging as you look at a player who's very young and heading into year two. I mean, he definitely showed well and brought some more aggression to the safety position, which I think you and I can agree was something that the position really was lack has, has I guess it's been lacking uh, for a long time. If you want to get real technical, go we go all the way back to when Nick Collins was here. So I'm not comparing Darnell Savage to Nick Collins, but Paul, your take on Savage and, and is he deserving of that rookie accolade? Yeah, I think he had a really solid rookie season and you know, he was just incredibly fun to watch. You mentioned the the issues that we had at safety and you know, looking back at last year specifically where they were it seemed, you know, they were just passive. But now you watch Darnell Savage on the TV screen and all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere where he wasn't even on the television screen and he's in there making a tackle. So those just kind of plays, you know, they jump off the screen and you saw him, you know, the first few that stick out in my mind were initially right away in the season. So it was a big welcome and happy to see him on the team moment for me. But yeah, he played really well. He had 55 tackles, a couple interceptions, pass breakups, like you mentioned, has great range speed, was solid in coverage. Uh, He did have the rookie ups and downs that I think most rookies do have. Well, I didn't um, think about that yeah. run with Dalvin Cook, the Vikings in week two. Yes, Welcome to the exactly. NFL, kid. <laughs> yep, absolutely. There were missed tackles, uh, poor angles, but you can see the potential and the playmaker that he is and what he will hopefully de- keep developing developing into. Um, so I thought it was, you know, it was a great, you know, 21st overall pick for the Packers, and I'm looking forward to what what the, what's going to come with him. Yeah, I, I expect a, a progression in year two. Now, what that looks like and how much of it, you know, I can temper those expectations because I also thought this year was going to be massive for Jair Alexander, and he did some great things. But these these guys are young, and they're learning. It's a new head coach, although they, they kept their defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin, uh, this year, and, and they'll Savage and Jair will both have him back in 2020 because that's already been decided. So the continuity there, I think, will help the definitely help the younger players and help guys like Savage. Yeah, you made a great point, Paul, about his willingness to stick his head in there on run support and get involved and be a willing tackler. It's it's not something that we've seen a lot of of from an aggressive side and you know. We just went through this five years ago with HaHa Clinton Dix, first overall pick. He was picked 21st in 2014. Everyone was really excited about him. He comes from Alabama, you know, in his rookie season. He had a couple of big interceptions. He had a couple of picks in the NFC Championship game that season. And then from there, things just kind of upped and down, and he wasn't as much of a willing tackler, and it was something that that led to the Packers deciding, hey, we're going to try something else. So... I think, if nothing else, Savage absolutely fits the mold of what you see from this defense, which is a lot of desire, swagger, and 
you know, willingness to stick his head in there and put his hat on a guy and make a tackle. So I'm very excited about the rookie. And they've got, you know, he's he's in, he's also going to be under a very controllable contract for at least three more seasons. So that's going to be helpful to the Packers as well, especially if he takes a huge jump in year two, you're getting a massive value from a guy like Savage. So next to Savage was free agent acquisition from a year ago, former Chicago Bear Adrian Amos, who was... I think Amos was, for the Packers this season, exactly what they thought they were getting when they signed him. Uh, you know, a steady Eddie in position, rarely caught out of out of where he needed to be. He, you know, he did get his hands dirty, had a couple of sacks. He had the big interception week one against his former team in his old stadium in Chicago to help the Packers seal the week one victory. A couple of other interceptions. I mean, with him back there, it's almost kind of the same thing as, as the offensive line, where it's like if you don't hear your name, then you're not doing anything wrong. You know, I guess this is the way I kind of looked at it. Did you feel that same way, that he was kind of like that veteran security blanket while you've got a young player like Savage who's trying to learn while he's playing? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. He was consistent, steady, you know, all reliable. And all off season or this past off season, you know, Bear fans talked about how he didn't make – you know, the splash plays, the interceptions. And for the most part over his career, he really hasn't, but he's just been steady. He doesn't give up the big play very often. He's a very good tackler, a sure tackler, and he's always, or, you know, a majority of the time, he's exactly where he needs to be on the field. And after last season with everything that happened at the safety position, that's what the Packers needed. And I think that's why they went after Adrian Amos. And during... Chicago's success in 2018 season with him there you know he was the rock and then that allowed Eddie Jackson their other safety to be the playmaker and I think that's what Green Bay is trying to emulate here with Adrian Amos once again playing the role that he is steady Eddie and then Darnell Savage developing into that playmaker because we saw that from him during his time at Maryland um, as I mentioned, he had some ups and downs in his rookie season, but you can see that potential and that playmaking ability is there. So I think Green Bay is developing their own, you know, one-two punch of instead of Amos and Eddie Jackson, it's going to be Amos and Darnell Savage as long as Savage continues progressing as we hope he does. Yeah, and give me that duo because they look great. Amos, actually the game I was at this season in, in Green Bay against the Panthers, Amos tips the ball up in the end zone and Tremont Williams makes the pick. And they thwart a touchdown drive by Carolina, which ended up being huge because it was a very close game there. So, yeah, I mean, not a lot of splash plays, but he did help make help other guys make some plays. Yeah, and I also just want to add, one of my favorite plays from this whole entire season was week one, just specifically because it was obviously against the Bears. All the junk that had been talked all off season, Bears fans ripping Amos, and, you know, what was three, four minutes left in the game, whatever it was, as the Bears are marching down the field, picks it off in the end zone at Soldier Field. How amazing must that have felt for him? That was such a cool moment. That was a cool moment for all of us. I was in a Packers yeah. bar doing Cheesehead TV Live, um, and there were a couple Bear fans in there, and they had, you know, they were all they had their MAC jerseys on, and they were all high and mighty from last season, thinking that the Bears were going to repeat and, and knock the Packers off. And it was a close game. And who comes up with that pick? I mean, I know that. Uh, Peter Bukowski of Packer Report took a lot of heat from Bears fans about his his coverage and his his take on Haha Clinton Dix and Adrian Amos and that was just kind of one of those like oh okay well ball don't lie type of moment so yeah Paul mm-hmm. that was 
that was awesome. I mean, it was it was great. You know, the Packers essentially swapped safeties, uh, and I can tell you this: I don't think it was the reason why, but one of those teams was in a conference championship game this year, and the other one did not make the playoffs. So I'll just kind of leave that at, at leave it right there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So Amos will be back. He's under contract. The Packers are paying him a good amount of money, and and would wouldn't have it any other way. He's uh, he's only 26 years old, so he's entering the prime of his career, and I think. He's going to continue to be that guy that's going to hopefully evolve and grow within the defense, and they give him a little bit more to do. Like I said, he did have a couple sacks, so he's you know he can kind of get in there, and he's never going to be Leroy Butler, who if we're going to talk about safeties, we should probably take a break after we we cover Amos to talk about Leroy Butler for a second. But you know he he does do some of the dirty work and some of those things beyond just covering receivers and. And helping in run support, you know, he's he's a little bit of a he can be kind of a Swiss Army knife. I mean, you know, we had Micah Hyde a few years ago, and and you think of Adrian Amos in that kind of a role. I think I would trust him to do some of those things. Maybe not return punts, but you know, I would trust him to do some do some of those things. So, two really good starters, and I think the future is really bright. And they've got a young secondary that they can ride with for a while. And then when you look at the rest of the of the when I look at the rest of the field here, Paul, something just came to mind. So, just real quickly, rookies. Will Redman, and actually it, Redman was the only rookie. So, um, you know, Redman was, uh, and actually, I'm trying to think, I don't know if, if Redman was a rookie, actually, or if we got him from somewhere else, but um, he played a little bit. But when you look at the other two guys, Ibrahim Campbell wasn't even activated until shortly before the Carolina game, and Raven Green was activated for the uh, he was finally brought off of injured reserve for the NFC Championship game and then not activated. So his season ended after week two. He only played in two games. Raven Green was an integral part of the defense and was was going to be kind of the one kind of X factor guy this defense needed. And they only got a couple games off. So if you think about the fact that those three guys really didn't play a ton and Savage missed some time, the Packers still won 13 games. Credit to the defense for, you know, making do with what they had with Will Redman and just kind of moving some guy. I know Tremont played a little bit of safety, and they had to, you know, get creative with it. But it also, you know, hats off to the starters, Savage and Amos, for holding it down for most of this season. Yeah, the loss of Raven Green was really, really big in week two of the season. Um, you know, he was in that hybrid dime linebacker role where, you know, he could play up against the run with Blake Martinez, drop into coverage if needed. And when the Packers lost him, it really hurt what they had to do because Campbell wasn't back at that time either. So they had a, I think, what was it, seven, eight, nine-week stretch where they had to go without either of those options. So what they did often was Adrian Amos would kind of slide into that role, and then that left Will Redman on the back end with Savage. And we saw a lot during that time um, – you know, big plays given up, a lot of 20-yard plays, 40-yard plays given up. The middle of the field was dissected, especially by tight ends and cross and routes. And I think a lot of that kind of fell on Redmond, who, you know, he struggled. And But, you know, to his credit, he was I think he was an excellent special teams player. But when you're having Will Redmond play significant snaps, your defense is going to be vulnerable in those situations. Uh, but once Ibrahim Campbell came back, that helped provide some of that stability. He took over that... Um, dime linebacker role, which is what he played last year before he was injured. That allowed Amos to go back to Roman in the back with um, Darnell Savage, and we saw those big plays 
you know, start to trickle down, reduce, not as many, you know, shots over the middle. Tight ends weren't ripping this team up as much as they had been before. So the return of Campbell was huge. Uh, and also the loss of Raven Green where they had to work without those two, you know, obviously it hurt them significantly during the season. Yeah, a lot of good points there, but they did, you know, they did a good job and, and Shannon Sullivan really was a corner. You know, he, he may have gotten, the, you know, back there and helped out a little bit in the, in the back end, but mostly at, at the corner spot. I think about the Dallas game where, you know, Sullivan had a pick, Redmond almost had a pick. I think there was a, a penalty that, that brought it back. You know, Campbell finally comes back and, and helps make some plays and solidify things back there. It's If you look at the depth now, we know the starters are good, Paul. We kind of talked before we started recording about do the Packers need to add any talent at this position? I mean, I wouldn't obviously suggest it happening early or spending any kind of big money. You've already got two really solid starters. But as far as depth goes, you assume Raven Green's going to come back ready to go next season, so there's your third safety. And maybe is Campbell the fourth guy, and then, you know, Redmond, maybe, maybe they, they roll with the same crew, but, you know, maybe a short discussion. Do you think that the Packers need to add any, any additional depth at safety? They will probably bring some more guys into competing camp, but I'm talking about more in the draft. Do you expect this to be addressed? Uh, no, I don't. You know, when you get in those later rounds, though, you a lot of times you just kind of go with the best available just because it's, you know, once you get to rounds four, five, and beyond, it's, you know, a crapshoot as it is. But I don't think they're going in there with the thought of, all right, we got to find a safety because obviously we talked about they have a great core in Amos and Savage. Uh, Raven Green and Ibrahim Campbell are going to be back as those dime linebackers. they got extra depth having both of those guys available. And I, can, I even think that Will Redmond's going to be back just because he was so good on special teams. Um, you know, and that's an important part of the game, the third phase, even though it's not talked about as much. But he was really, really good last year in that, a, in that um, aspect of it. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's back either. So that puts us at five already. But Green, Amos, Savage are here for sure. I expect Campbell to be as well, so we're already at four. So I'm not expecting any major changes. Okay, well, I just want to remind everybody that last year the Packers signed Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith. They had the 12th overall pick in the draft, and they drafted Rashad Gary. So uh, not that they're going to go out and sign safeties and then draft one, but God only knows what's going to happen with their first-round pick if they even make one or they trade out of it. Who who knows? But I think you're right. I think that's a position where if a guy falls later, okay, maybe you take him and, and you have plans for him or what, you know, whatever you want to do. But plenty, plenty of other positions to address, and we've kind of talked about some of our other teams on Pack-A-Day have kind of talked about those as we've moved along and, and reviewed the different position groups. You know, this is one, I think the assignment that you and I drew here was a little bit of an easier one because it's such a stable group. And it's one, like you said, that could very well be back in full in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And the word you use, stable, is absolutely correct. And um, I just want to take a look back at where this Packers safety group was just one year ago or a little over now during the 2018 season. So as we know, Ha, ha Clinton Dix was traded. Jermaine Whitehead ended up being cut after throwing a punch in the New England game. He also struggled in coverage. not like he was a star on the field either. Kentrell Bryce had a crack back there. Struggled in coverage. You know, not a very good tackler, although when he did connect, it, you know, it was a good pop and looked like it hurt. Josh Jones, who we all remember, even with those issues, ha-ha getting traded, Jermaine Whitehead getting t- cut, 
Bryce just struggling. It took that to happen before Josh Jones would even see the field. Tremont Williams had to move over to safety last year and played about half his snaps at the position. And then on top of it, Eddie Pleasant and Ibrahim Campbell made appearances but were injured after just a few games. So that was last year's safety position in a nutshell. And then to where we are today, uh, tremendous work by uh, Brian Gutekunst just establishing this crew. I tend to like to reminisce about Packers teams of the past because we've got a lot of success over the past 30 years to think about, but I hear those names, and it's more of a nightmare than than anything else. And I was a huge Clinton Dix fan when they drafted him. I I bought his jersey. I thought for sure they would extend him, and sure enough, you know, I got jersey burned, as I call it, and I have obviously traded that in for a different one. But very excited about this group, and I think I think this is a position, yeah, where the Packers are afforded an opportunity to look elsewhere and address some other needs, and I think they're going to be just fine if they do roll with this crew. So, I mean, that pretty much covers the Packers as far as safeties go, but I mentioned Leroy Butler, and we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of talk a little bit about this here. So it's old news. We know Leroy Butler did not get in the Hall of Fame, even though he was nominated for this year up against some hefty competition, although it was interesting to me that former Broncos safety Steve Atwater gets in before Leroy. The two teams, Broncos and Packers, faced each other in Super Bowl 32. Denver ended up winning that game. Steve Atwater's in. Leroy Butler, not quite. He said all the right things. But, Paul, are you on the side of this is an injustice and it needs to get righted sooner than later, or... Can you maybe see where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is coming from? No, not at all. They've screwed this up for years now. Um, and Leroy, to his credit, has handled it along the way magnific- magnificently, probably much better than I would have if I was in his shoes. I mean, he was a part of the all-decade team, all-decade, 10 years, and he's not in the Hall of Fame? What? I mean, that's I, I, I honestly don't get it. Uh, he's a tremendous player, and also, I mean, he invented the Lambo Leap. I know that doesn't still show up in the stat sheet, but hey, what the heck? <laughs> well, that and and wasn't Jerry Kramer like part of the the fifty year, you know, all fifty year team or what was it a couple of years ago? He got voted yeah. to, but he hasn't hadn't been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame yet, and so it's like what. That's that's my biggest fear is that this is going to keep dragging out for Leroy and you know Kramer getting in was long overdue as well and it, in my opinion it's already been long overdue for Butler and he needs to be in uh, the All Pros the All Decade team I mean when the Packers won that Super Bowl they had the one I think they had the top offense and top rated defense in the league that year yeah I mean he was the cap you know the one of the best players on that defensive side of the ball um, he's got the stats the All Pros. I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know what the issue is or what they're looking at or what's slowing them down from, you know, realizing how deserving he is. I was, I mean, Super Bowl 31, for those who were fortunate enough to experience it, watch it, live it, because I lived the 96 season, and I started following the Packers in about the mid-'80s. Everybody was excited to see Reggie, Favre, Holmgren, you know, some of those those guys that have been with the team for a long time pick up a championship. You know, you had Sean Jones, the veteran, Eugene Robinson, the veteran. 
for me, Leroy, get, seeing Leroy Butler get a, a Super Bowl after being drafted and, and going through a couple of years of really bad football and then being part of the uprising, and not only did the team uprise, but that's when Leroy Butler took another another level. I think when Mike Holmgren brought Fritz Shermer in as the defensive coordinator, that was a huge, huge boost to Leroy Butler in his game, and, and that's when he really broke out. And So seeing him get that Super Bowl, you know, he was one of those guys that's like, hey, he's been here since the beginning. You know, you, we might have bigger-name guys here now, but Leroy, you know, he's been here since day one. You've got to give him the accolades for being kind of a heritage member of that championship team. So, yeah, I agree. The Hall of Fame, uh, they didn't get it right. And I, and I think if you look around and you really – Unless somebody's got a personal grudge against the Packers or Butler for some reason because he's a likable guy, there's no reason you wouldn't. I think most people even outside of Green Bay would say, hey, I don't know if this really was right. And our our colleague over at Pulse of the Pack, Jacob Westendorf, has also opined that it's very possible that John Lynch may get in before Leroy Butler does as well because John Lynch has been in the spotlight. He was in the media. Now he's a general manager. Leroy Butler does local radio shows in Wisconsin, but he's not in the national spotlight anymore. So... It's you know it's the politics of the, the Hall of Fame and and Paul you you summed it up best um, and I agree a hundred percent they've been screwing it up for years so why should we expect it <laughs> to be any different and I heard a story uh, just to close it out I heard a story that when he was in the hotel waiting for David Baker from the Pro Football Hall of Fame to come knock on the door and tell him that he got into the Hall of Fame if you don't get in it's usually a phone call and so while they were waiting for the phone call there's a knock on the door. And, of course, you get a knock on the door at that point. Like, you think, hey, this is it. I'm in. Your heart starts pounding. You go to the door, and Butler opened up the door, and it was Antonio Freeman oh. standing in the hallway. So <laughs> he had knocked on the door, and I think they said they said that housekeeping came by to see if they wanted more <laughs> turn down or towels or something like that. And I'm, I work in the hospitality industry, and I can't tell you how frustrating that can be. The last, it's always – if it's going to happen, it's going to be at the wrong moment. You know, whatever that be, it's going to be at the wrong moment. So I completely understand Leroy's uh, pain in that situation. But, um, well, this is a shorter one, Paul, but I think, you know, it, it, there weren't that many players. You know, I, I mean, if we, we get a bigger group like receiver or offensive line, then, you know, they probably will make up for some of the time that, that we did not hit today. But any closing thoughts on the safeties before we sign it off for this week? No, I think we hit on most of the points. And this was, I think overall, this was a stellar group and, as I already stated, very, very, very much improved. Yeah, cut and dry. Very easy week. So if you want to find Paul's work, you can find it over at Cheesehead TV and at Dairyland Express. You can follow Paul at Paul on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel. And Dairyland Express is, I always get this wrong, it's at Dairyland, the letter X, and then P-R-E-S-S. Correct. I nailed it. Yes. All right, and I am <laughs> at Jason Perone. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Shorter show this week. Uh, hopefully we'll have more to talk about in two. You and I will be back together in two weeks. So, as always, before we close it out, one last to-do, and that is Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.
whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.